The Lord said to Moses, Speak to Aaron and say to him, When you set up the lamps, see that all seven light up the area in front of the lampstand. Aaron did so. He set up the lamps so that they faced forward on the lampstand, just as the Lord commanded Moses. This is how the lampstand was made. It was made of hammered gold from its base to its blossoms. The lampstand was made exactly like the pattern that, Lord, that the Lord had shown Moses. The Lord said to Moses, Take the Levites from among all the Israelites and make them ceremonial, ceremonially clean. To purify them, do this. Sprinkle the water of cleansing on them. Then have them shave their whole bodies and wash their clothes, and so they will purify themselves. Have them take a young bull with its grain offering of the finest flour mixed with olive oil. Then you are to take a second young bull for a sin offering. Bring the Levites to the front of the tent of meeting and assemble the whole Israelite community. You are to bring the Levites before the Lord and the Israelites are to lay their hands on them. Aaron is to present the Levites before the Lord as a wave offering from the Israelites so that they may be ready to do the work of the Lord. Then the Levites are to lay their hands on the heads of the bulls, using one for a sin offering to the Lord and the other for a burnt offering to make atonement for the Levites. Have the Levites stand in front of Aaron and his sons and then present them as a wave offering to the Lord. In this way, you are to set the Levites apart from the other Israelites, and the Levites will be mine. After you have purified the Levites and presented them as a wave offering, they are to come to do their work at the tent of meeting. They are the Israelites who are to be given wholly to me. I have taken them as my own in place of the firstborn, the first male offspring from every Israelite woman. Every firstborn male in Israel, whether human or animal, is mine. When I struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, I set them apart for myself, and I have taken the Levites in place of all the firstborn sons in Israel. From among all the Israelites, I have given the Levites as gifts to Aaron and his sons to do the work at the tent of meeting on behalf of the Israelites and to make atonement for them so that no plague will strike the Israelites when they go near the sanctuary. Moses, Aaron, and the whole Israelite community did with the Levites just as the Lord commanded Moses. The Levites purified themselves and washed their clothes. Then Aaron presented them as a wave offering before the Lord and made atonement for them to purify them. After that, the Levites came to do their work at the tent of meeting under the supervision of Aaron and his sons. They did with the Levites just as the Lord commanded Moses. The Lord said to Moses, this applies to the Levites. Men 25 years old or more shall come to take part in the work at the tent of meeting. But at the age of 50, they must retire from their regular service and work no longer. They may assist their brothers in performing the duties, their duties at the tent of meeting, but they themselves must not do the work. This then is how you were to assign the responsibilities of the Levites. Lord, thank you for your word to us. God, we thank you for um, having a plan so long ago, Lord, and, and laying it out 
for us. And we, we thank you, Lord, that um, we are able to walk this out as a body of believers here in 2023. And we thank you for this church and what you brought this church through and the plans that you have for us in the future. And we pray and ask that you would um, bless Jonathan's words as he shares with us and um, opens the scriptures to a new understanding for us, Lord. And we pray that you would help us to apply it to our lives this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Chris. So the light of Christ is the center and direction of the church. If you remember last week, I mentioned... uh, leader that uh, has kind of served as like a mentor from far off for me, that he will light a candle as a reminder of God's presence. And I think it's a good reminder for us as well this morning as we continue what is really a pivotal day and should be uh, kept as an Ebenezer for us as Reservoir Church, February 26th, the 2023. And this is a visual representation of a spiritual and what is at times an invisible reality. Just a truth that God is present. He is with us. He is for us. And he is gentle with us. And I think life is full of things like this image. Symbols, patterns made to image something that is better than themselves. Something grander, something bigger than they are. This is how God revealed himself among his people, using images pointing to something that is more brilliant and something that is more lasting than what was temporary in the wilderness. And it is kind of the Lord to give us this image, the ordination of the priest in the tabernacle on the same day that we laid hands on new elders, the stewards of the light of the church. People say, you know, you have to be spontaneous, Jonathan, and just trust the spirit. We planned the preaching calendar like eight months ago, but God planned to commission elders today. So from the pattern here, we want to see the real light. Think about those that lead from the light and then an invitation to us to be the light ourselves. And so the light of Christ is the center and direction of the church. Chris read quite a bit of what was going on in the ordination of the priest, setting up of the tabernacle and getting ready for worship. And it starts with this pattern that God continues to give his people. And so the image for the pattern is the lampstand. And um, this is a lampstand. Right? Is that seven? Boom. That's our, our first image. That which would give light in the tabernacle. And God's giving here Moses and the people through his voice. He's hearing his voice. Remember we talked about hearing God's voice that Moses heard him above the mercy seat. And this is what God immediately says to Moses. Light seven lamps to light the table in the tabernacle. This lampstand or the menorah, it's mentioned in verse in chapter 3. We've seen it in chapter 4. It's the symbol for 
Israel of God's presence and his glory. And the instructions for its assembly was given in Exodus 25 and carried out then in Exodus 37. Just as God had told Moses, they made the lampstand. And the lamps are included here essentially just as part of this celebration and dedication of the tabernacle and all the implements of worship. These lamps and lampstands are positioned on purpose to shine the divine light upon the 12 loaves of bread that are on the table, symbolic of Israel's 12 tribes. There's seven lamps altogether, the number of perfection on a stand of hammered gold. Not covered, but full gold, beautiful, refined. One writer says, what did the lampstand symbolize? It symbolized God himself. That, that is why this piece of furniture was made out of pure gold, hammered into shape, unlike all the other objects in the outer sanctuary, which were made of wood and merely plated with gold. It had seven lamps on it, symbolizing the completeness and perfection of God's presence. And this symbolism is confirmed by the description of the function of the lampstand. It was to give light. And it's the exact same Hebrew word that the priestly blessing used of God's face shining upon his people. So the light of the lampstand represented God's favor or blessing shining out into the darkness, shining upon his people. This is tremendously meaningful. I think we miss some of this symbolism in our day, this perfect light that shines on Israel, that God is truly present with them, guiding their way as their light, keeping them, protecting them, providing for them. In the Levites worship from the light in response to this reality, the presence of God. This is how they carry out their work, knowing that he is present. These are the Levites, the men, humble, sacrificial, made clean. Did you notice they shaved their whole bodies? Anybody else? I did. Not true at all. We're new covenant people. Yeah, anyway, I shaved my face, right? And these are men that are given as an offering from the people for the service of the Lord. People offered as a wave offering before the Lord, launched into ministry from the atoning sacrifice that they were ordered to bring, wholly given to the Lord from among the people. They were one of them. They were from among them as a gift to do service of the people of Israel, to interact with God and worship God on their behalf as the firstborn set aside for him. So Levites then are part of the offering given to uh, the in the tabernacle service that were provided by God. Their ministry directs the camp's gaze upon God's provision and the coming provision of a better worship leader. They weren't meant to lead the worship forever, but they are an image that points to another. And all of this, the lampstand, the tabernacle, the Levites, is a picture pointing forward to a light for more than just 12 tribes alone. It's the light of the world. His name is Jesus. And so this is our second Bit. We have a new lampstand. 
and it is Christ. So why use the image of light? Just, just think of light versus darkness for a moment. Light is known, it is revealing, it is purifying and does its work. It's warming and in the natural world it's what gives life. You need light to live. Darkness on the other hand represents uncertainty. You don't know what is in it. There is no comfort and what lurks there is often evil and we live needing light to overcome darkness so we get the sense of the weight of this image. So it's important that God rightly or Orders the light in the tabernacle and all the more poignant for us that Jesus is called the light of the world. The lamp shines the divine light upon the 12 loaves of bread is an image of God's presence. And this blessed reality is fully realized in the church's relationship to Christ. You see it in John 8, where John writes again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus himself is the one in whom the light of God's blessing shines upon all, no longer just reserved for 12 tribes, but for the whole world that would see his glory and come to him. And he embodies in himself the visual depiction of God's favor resting upon his people. It was the plan and point from the beginning. And it's the reality that Numbers 8 points to, and it's the truth that we anchor our lives upon. This light has come and that he shines on us. And that's the point that John makes in the opening words of his gospel. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So this is Jesus, the one who has come. The darkness cannot overshadow him. And he's made the light of the world through his own suffering by becoming sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And this is Jesus, the God man living this perfect obedience as the true Israel presenting himself as an atoning sacrifice once and for all, because where Moses and the Levites fulfill this temporary role of speaking for God and carrying out the worship in the tabernacle, Jesus exists as a better mediator for us as our creator, as the worship leader of the church, who out of the plunder of his victorious exodus from the grave provides all the gifts for holy life and ministry. Everything we need, we find in Christ. He's welcoming in all who respond to his light. And now he is the light that guides, that illuminates and directs his people. He's a torch that has changed everything of human history. We watch, I don't know why we do this to ourselves in the Schrader household, but we like to watch like Discovery Channel shows, Unlocking Biblical Secrets. And I'm always like, I doubt it. And we got this one show we like. The guy's kind of funny. He's kind of stupid. But he was going to, where was Jesus really born? Was it this Bethlehem, that Bethlehem, or was it Nazareth? And he's got all these. I don't, I'm surprised I don't swear at the television. My children were present, but my wife knew my heart. 
right? But nothing is, nothing's the same since this light has come. All of history has shifted. The human story has shifted. Our sense of morality, of justice is rooted in him, uh, of what is true and good. It all comes from Christ. We don't experience our existence in this moment if Jesus has not come and been the light of the world. And more than just setting the trend for all of humanity, he comes as salvation, as freedom from sin, as purpose in his kingdom given to us. And they all come from him. Is that brilliant, that beautiful, that uh, shining light. Not only is Everything changed because that light has come. We're also heading toward an eternity where he is the only light there is to see. John's revelation gives us this vision. And John says, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. This is our home where darkness is cast out forever. The brilliance, the light of Christ illuminating all things. No need for the sun or moon to shine anymore because we have all the light we need in Christ. But even so, in the meantime, not all choose the light. In John 3, we know it, right? All the football games, we hold up John 3, 16. We love that, but we got to keep reading. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is the judgment. The light came and people still choose darkness. And it's a reality that God's blessing is not automatic. It has to be responded to. It has to be received. So it is light that is to be stewarded, shown on his people that others may come, may see it, find the need for illumination and sit under it and receive it. This is where the church, I think, finds its purpose from the central place of the light of Christ is our guide and direction. We find our purpose and the elders of the church find their service. They find what they're to do in light of what the Levites did in the tabernacle. And this is living, leading from the light. And this one is. You know what that is? It's a torch. Flashlights. Trying to get you all Britishized, right? 
So Jesus is the center and direction of the church, and he has equipped the church to shine his light, to declare him. And we see it in Ephesians 4, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But also that he descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who has also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. He's like on his way to being the light of the universe. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. From his light, he gives us gifts, and he gives us leaders in particular to shine his light upon us, that we grow into maturity and unity in him. And just like the Levites ministering under the light of God's presence, leaders now in the church make the light known and live to shine it in the lives of those that they shepherd. That's the purpose of our elders. That's my role before you today. Elders live essentially as gardeners, making sure the souls of the saints have clear access to the light they need to grow and to flourish. We're the ones pulling the weeds away so you can feel the warmth of Christ and his grace upon you so that you can thrive, you can live in him, that he would be glorified and you would show his light. Alexander Strzok, in his book on biblical eldership, which we didn't make any of you read, Praise God, right? Scott read it once upon a time, right? Yeah, big book, right, Scott? He says, hey, here's all you need to know from this humongous book. Elders lead the church, teach and preach the word, protect the church from false teachers, exhort and admonish the saints in sound doctrine, visit the sick and pray and judge doctrinal issues. In biblical terminology, elders shepherd, oversee, lead, and care for the local church. So what we do as leaders leading from the light, we just are guarding you and exposing you to the light that is Christ. And Numbers 8 is not an elder text per se. But if I needed a unique text and had to write a book to make money, I might use this text, right? Because it's, it's a ministry text of the Levites being ordained, set into ministry in the tabernacle. But we can take these, the opportunity of seeing this ministry to implore these men who have just committed to you to lead from the light. Elders, be settled on whose you are. Just like Levites set apart for God, elders are set apart for ministry because of what Jesus had done, and he calls us to live as under-shepherds in the church. 
caring for his flock. So you have to be settled in your identity in Christ, that you live under the light and then be tethered to the light, keeping others tethered to Jesus, not running after fads, but keeping the church anchored in the word, protected, cared for, and encouraged all in Christ. There are certainly, be prepared for it. There'll be opportunities for business decisions. There'll be opportunities, elders, for intervening in rough situations, executing the mundane ministry of the church, but it's always pointing back to the center, to the direction of the church, to Jesus. And friends, this isn't only for elders to be leading from the light, but all who lead and serve in the church. In the children's ministry, we shine the light. In disability ministry, we give equal access to the light. In our music ministry, we declare the brightness of the light. In hospitality, we shine the light as the welcome of the church. So all of us, no matter what the Lord has called us to, gifted us with, or equipped us in the church, are working and serving, inviting others into the light. I'm pretty old, and when I was in youth group way back in the day, you guys remember DeGarmo and Key? Who said, oh my gosh? Yeah, okay. Got one solid saint in here. But they had a song. They had a whole album called like General Orzo or something, something weird. It Christianity was weird in the 80s and 90s, right? But they had a song called The Charge of the Light Brigade. And if you're lucky, you'll hear it later today, right? But here's the poetry of the song. Sat down to rest last night, slipped into a dream. Shadows fell across the world. The darkness was extreme. We all sat there mindlessly staring at the storm. You should have, this is before fun. You could have been like staring at the screen and it would have rhymed, but he needed storm back then. Just when all seemed lost and hopeless, there came a mighty roar. It was the charge of the light brigade. The charge of the light brigade with a spiritual serenade came the charge of the light brigade. The poor and afflicted all had enough to eat. The message of the age-old gospel echoed in the street. I saw the angels dancing on the wind. The Son of God was shining brightly. Death came to an end. And as bad as 80s music was, this is our call as the church, all of us, elders, members, random folk that just hang out, that don't want to commit to membership yet. All of us, right? We're the light brigade. We bring the light of Christ to the world around us because we know that death is coming to an end. There will be a day when he will shine and be the only light that we see. I mean... Some of us are only looking forward to lunch. But as a church, we're meant to be looking forward to Jesus, to that moment that he illuminates all things. Are you guys excited about that? Because we, we got a lot of dark paduty in our world. I'm going to say a worse word, but at least it's still in here. So anyway, the church is charging onward, shining the light of Christ because we're so illuminated by it. We've been guided by it. It has purified us and we want others to have their eyes open to the light as well. Peter writes, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Some people are about to pack their 
bags, bringing a flashlight of Christ with them. To go into dark places on behalf of the church to say there is a light that is brighter than political systems, governmental regimes of cultic worship of ancestors experience there is christ so we implore the world come in to the light this is i don't know how to say come into the light so let's just make the person all bright with a great haircut an unshaven levite right so the image of Numbers 8, the illuminating of the tabernacle, is meant to draw us to the light. Like, I don't know if you felt it as you read it, but as you study it, I mean, the lampstand is what we're to be about in this passage. It's like really great that there's the ordination of the Levites here, but it's the lampstand that brightly shines the presence of God upon the people. And we do the same thing as the church, inviting others to be drawn into the light, to believe in Christ, to pursue his illumination, his purpose. It's like a a recognition that there's darkness in our lives and we need something better. The church stands ready to say there is something better. There is the light of Christ to believe in his transforming grace alone that enables you to delight in the light by dealing with sin that makes you want to hide. So the Gospel of John tells us they, they pursued darkness over light because they didn't want to be seen. But Jesus says, come with repentance and all will be seen and all will be dealt with. And there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So come with repentance, owning your sin and need forgiveness. Be washed by the light, the covering of Christ's blood for your forgiveness and for life. Hear his claim over you, friend. He has a plan and purpose for you, that you are his brother and sister, and he is not ashamed of you. Know you were made to reflect him to others. That's why in addition to saying, I am the light of the world, Jesus said to those that heard him preach, you are the light of the world. So live in the light, shine bright like him as the spirit changes you, applying Christ's justifying, purifying work for you. Charles Spurgeon in a call to the church says, purify yourselves, you who carry the vessels of the Lord, is an injunction that is still binding on believers. We need to have both the water and the blood applied to us to prepare us for our life of service as the consecrated Levites of God. All who believe in Jesus, all the twice born, all who are washed in his precious blood, all who are set apart by the Holy Spirit are dedicated to his service even as the Levites were of old, made into the light brigade that charges into the darkest of places. God calls all of us to give our best in service to him. And in Jesus, he has made atonement at the cross for his community, for his people. And he doesn't call us to recreate that foundational act by re-erecting a tabernacle today. Yet he calls us, like the Levites, to bring that atonement to bear on our society. And this is the one task that we cannot delegate to others. 
We can't leave to elders. Pastor and elders have their place in the church, but their calling is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, not to do those works of ministry for the saints. The calling to purify ourselves and to serve our community in Christ's name and in the power of his spirit rests on all of us. So may it be said of us, just like it was said of the camp, According to all that the Lord commanded Moses concerning the Levites, the people of Israel did them. The light of Christ is the center and direction of the church, stewarded by elders, all of us living from this light that others may see. Shall we shine together? Let's pray. Lord, it's such an unassailable task to stand before your people and to open your word and attempt to make clear what we see. But you've given us the imagery. You've given us the picture of the lamps shining on your people, that your presence is real. That shined a, a witness of something better to come, that Jesus, you would come and you would be our light. You would be the light of the world. Lord, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to shine all the more brightly the truth of Christ and his finished work into our hearts in those areas that we've yet to surrender, that we would open the doors of our soul today and that you would illuminate all of it. Lord, make us carriers of that light, that others would see that there's something different. There's not darkness, but there is a light in us that they desire to have for themselves, that your kingdom would grow and your glory would fill the earth. Until that day, you alone are our light. Stir us, draw us, and use us for the glory of you alone, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.